Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. (gasps) I love this song for the first 20 times I hear it every year. Chances are you've heard that about 10,000 times this month. (laughs) Sorry if that was triggering for anyone. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, you guys. Are you in the spirit, Lizzie? I I stay in the spirit, straight up. I stay with the spirit. In the spirit, around the spirit. With your spirit. And with your spirits. (laughs) It's hard to feel like it's Christmas when it's as hot as it fucking is. Um, But we're channeling it. We're vibing. Yeah, red and green abounds. I got to say, the only stress I feel this time of year, other than like the heat of climate change, is fucking buying presents. I know. If it's not for people I know super well, then I'm just at a complete loss. Oh, my God. Even then, like my mom gave birth to me. I'm like, what the fuck does she want? A hat? There's nothing more annoying than someone that buys what they want for themselves whenever they want it. That's like everyone in my family. Everyone is so desperately independent. I'm like, can y'all just like indulge in something? Just hold back for me. I'm I'm a Virgo that like plans for Christmas. So like if I want a $50 thing in July, I won't get it for myself. And I'll just like tell my mom in a couple months, like you can get me this $50. Oh yeah. I have a wish list already started. Oh, you got a, I got a link. Yeah. That's what I started doing is I link people a wish list. It's clear. It's direct. They feel better about it. Yes. It may be transactional. However, <laughs> we all end up happy. Okay, you guys can find Lizzie's wish list at www.patreon.com slash subtextualpod. It would be literally my Christmas dream come true if any one of y'all even considered looking at the Patreon page or liking us on Instagram, at TikTaka, and then uh, what's the other one? All of them. Twitter. We have a Tumblr, too. We have a Tumblr, too. Yes, we just <laughs> launched a Tumblr. Um, but also just being here is... A Christmas dream come true enough. We're just glad to to share whatever holiday spirit vibe you've got going on. Buying presents is stressful. So don't, if you don't feel like going to our Patreon, don't. And just listen to this chaotic episode on the Family Stone. Fucking, I'm, I can't believe we're doing the Family Stone so soon into the podcast. We've mentioned this movie quite a bit. Yeah, like surprisingly <laughs> a lot. Well, I think because it holds like every piece of human drama a middle class white family can have. Mm. It, it has all of it. It plays with so many different themes. And they have so many kids that chances are you have to relate to at least two of them. Yeah. At any given point in time. I haven't even done a count. How many damn kids are there? Can we do like a head count real quick? Yeah. Okay. My favorite, Luke Wilson. Ben. Ben. hmm Everett. Dermot Mulroney. Uh, Rachel McAdams is... Amy. Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susanna is... Esme. Esme. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, Thaddeus. Thaddeus. Oh, he's my favorite. So, um, five kids. That's it? Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. That's a huge budget. Before we get into the cast too much, I do want to know, like, what... Do you remember seeing this for the first time? It came out in 2005, so chances are you probably don't. The first time, good Lord, I've been watching this film annually for 
a lot of my life. This was definitely one that me and my mom watched a bunch because, you know, there's like elevated horror. To me, this is like elevated holiday. Do you know what I mean? Like this <laughs> yeah. and the movie The Holiday are kind of like this elevated Christmas movie because it is like... You would say The Holiday is elevated. Yes. Huh. Star-studded cast, nah. elevated romance. Everyone looks great. It has like... You know, I'm comparing this to like the princess switch. You know what I mean? Like that uh, is not hell- elevated holiday. It's so, like all those holiday like Hallmark Channel movies. Mm. Like this is the premium holiday mm. movie in my opinion. So yeah. we've been watching this for a long time. I watch this movie every year and it still surprises me. Every time <laughs> I'm watching it, I'm still like, <gasps> she said, oh my God. Producer Lee, have you seen this film? I have not. I uh, I don't think I know any, I have no like in for this movie. So I'm oh. ready to hear all about it. What should I know going in? Oh gosh. Uh, it, wow. I think you're just gonna have to go on this journey with us because there's a lot of things out of context that I could say that would probably make you not want to watch this movie. It's a uh, little unhinged. It's incredibly <laughs> unhinged. My partner calls it the weird incest Christmas yes. movie. Yes. Uh, she doesn't care for it very much. And incest isn't the right word, but it does kind of portray how like liberal these people are with dating each other's partners. You call it a a dosy do. They all just do the dosy do and they end just, up with new partners at they the just end of it. Do a little swippity swap and everyone's got a new bow. And um yeah, we'll talk about how that works and why that feels a little bit odd. But we should talk about first why we're discussing it today. Why are we? Why do you think we're talking about this because movie today? Because we're self-indulgent uh-huh. people. <laughs> On this particular podcast. <laughs> um, we're probably talking about it because of Thaddeus and Patrick and how their beautiful, sweet relationship interweaves through this story. But also, there's another queer member of this family that I always kind of like felt, but, you know, watching it for the podcast, I was like, mm-hmm. That's a queer person. And that would be Diane Keaton. No. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Keaton is uh, always queer-coded because she dresses impeccably. But yes, yes, as Lizzie was saying, Patrick and Thad. Dream couple. Incredible. First of all. Perfect couple. Like, they could be on magazines. Yeah. Um, Thad is the openly gay son of the Stones. Patrick is his partner. And they, of course are part of that iconic discussion over Christmas Eve dinner. Ooh, that's uh, a scene. Which is a fantastic scene, which we'll talk about. But as Lizzie was saying, the reason that I chose to do this film today was specifically for Rachel McAdams' portrayal of Amy. Baby sister Amy. Baby bisexual sister Amy. That is a lesbian. That is a lesbian. I mean, I know. Let's see what I wrote in my notes about Amy. Um, Whenever I was watching this film, I wrote, oh, yes, here. Rachel McAdams is a big, fat lesbian with a heart next to it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to go, not to jump ahead, but I just want to, I was watching this and and wrote this. Uh, Let's see. We meet Amy, played by Rachel McAdams, lesbian car, lesbian tote, lesbian (laughs) outfit, lesbian hair. (laughs) Lesbian, period. If you looked up lesbian in the dictionary, it would be a picture of Amy Stone. And she's angry, just like a lesbian returning home alone for Christmas would be. Yeah, there is like a bit of loaded animosity. I mean, obviously there's like overt animosity between Amy and Meredith, but it's really like Meredith's conservatism or like conservative nature that Amy seems to have a huge issue with. And that always read to me as, you're gay. 
Noah's You're right gay. to me, like, like, why does she have such a problem with this attractive woman? Mm. A little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we're supposed to believe that Amy's just kind of like a prickly person, but I don't know. I, I could see that as part of the read. Like, she's bullying Sarah Jessica Parker because she's like, you're cute and annoying, and I kind of like you, and uh, not dealing with it, not dealing with it. I'm going <laughs> to hurl insults at you. Yeah, we're meant to understand that Amy is like this with her siblings' other partners, but the Patrick, only person right. who said that, who can back that up, is another gay person. So true. So I wanted to dig into that and and see where those feelings took us, but then I think we could all agree that this film just feels gay. yeah. Because the the family is incredibly liberal and open and their love is like unconditional, regardless of if one of them smokes pot or whatever, like they're pretty cool. But then I found out that the director and the writer, Thomas Bazucha, is an openly gay man. <laughs> it's like dirty dancing all over again. This is the best. Oh, I had no idea. Yes. I think we need to instate a rule on the podcast. Rule number one of subtextual, if a gay person made it, it's gay. Yeah. We can all agree with that. Yes. So I thought we were going to have a little bit of of leftovers for Christmas dinner. We've got a whole gay meal. A whole gay turkey waiting for us. <laughs> Wait, tell me about this guy. He wrote it and directed it. This, is this like an original idea? or Because it kind of also feels like a play. Did it come from theater at all? Or am I just no looking into that? No. So it, he wrote this movie. Yeah. it's a, It's an original idea. He is mostly known for... His 2020 film, Let Him Go, starring Diane Lane, he's only done a handful of films mm-hmm. and only wrote a handful of films. He actually comes from fashion. Um, <laughs> Great. Love <laughs> that. Um, the costuming of this film is also impeccable, by the way. And one of the things I love the most about it, the house that they live in and the styling of all the characters. Yeah, the characterization and the house looks incredibly lived in, which I think um, it has to if you have this many fucking kids. (laughs) Um, But the director was very specific about the casting and their rehearsal. Like, you've got 10 principal characters. So you've got the siblings who are five. You've got the parents who are two. Then you've got Sarah Jessica Parker, Claire Danes, and then Patrick, um, who's played by Brian White. So you've got so many people. Let me kind of go through the roles a little bit. Usually I wait and I bake these into the plot, but there's so many Mm A-listers that I just want to get it out of the way. So the Stone family includes the matriarch, played by Diane Keaton, who's the first to sign up for the picture. She plays Sybil. We've got Craig T. Nelson as the father, Kelly. Dermot Mulroney as the oldest son, followed by Luke Wilson as Ben. Elizabeth Reeser as Susanna. You would recognize her from Twilight. Tyrone Giordano as Thad. And Rachel McAdams as Amy. So that's just the Stone family. Hot. And they're all hot. Every actor in this film is hot. Well, maybe not Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But his character grew on me. And for those that are not related to the Stones, we have Sarah Jessica Parker as Meredith, Claire Danes as Meredith's sister, Julie, and Brian White as Thad's boyfriend, Patrick. Hot. All of them. So hot. And I can't imagine working with this many incredibly talented actors at once. And all of the scenes, they're in like very quick conversation. The director said that he had them go through weeks of like rigorous rehearsal with each other. Wow. So that they had sort of a bond that was believable. And also they had to learn ASL. Yes. Okay. I really commend Diane Keaton. Her character, whether it's intentional or not, I mean, she is his mother, but she's the one that is 
signing the most whenever Thad is in a scene with them. And I didn't know if Diane Keaton like knew ASL or if she learned it for the role, but that was one thing I picked up on this watch is that she makes the most effort to sign in the conversations with him. And I just thought that was really sweet because like she is a good mom at the end of the day. She's a great mother. And that's like one of her like special little babies. Yeah, I forgot to mention specifically, but if it's been a while since you've seen the film, Thad is the gay son. He's also deaf and his partner, Patrick, is uh, hearing. So all the members of the family other than Thad and the people outside of the family like Julie and Meredith, they don't sign to Thad, but the rest of the family does. Mm -hmm. And like Lizzie was saying, they are expected to know their lines, but they're also expected to sign when Thad is in presence because that's just how they would normally talk to their child or their sibling. And I think Diane Keaton does an astounding job. Also, Rachel McAdams yes. does a really great job. There's a scene where they're sitting in a car and they're all packed in yes. and Meredith is like endlessly talking and Rachel McAdams is rolling her eyes and just signing whatever Meredith is saying and Thad is just watching her. But at a certain point, she's like, just kind of waves her hand and is like, I'm not fucking signing anymore. This, this <laughs> story is stupid. Yeah, I, that movie, that moment really caught me this last time and I laughed really hard at that. A little bit more about the actor who plays Thad Tyrone Giordano. He's an accomplished Broadway actor and this was actually his first film role. What? Mm -hmm. He's... Stellar. He's, he's amazing. Mm -hmm. To me, he's probably the most likable character, as as is written, but also as is performed. Yeah, and I think that the reason that that is so fleshed out, the reason that his relationship with Patrick is really universal is because it's written by a gay man who's seen these relationships and is probably writing from the perspective as that, especially when you have to write about families and you have mm -hmm. to understand how families talk. You often have to put yourself in that place and it came across super well yeah really beautiful chemistry all across the board and whatever combination you're seeing like these are true professionals but i guess the amount of rehearsal time they had and also just like a pretty densely well written script they had a lot to work on together and there's very few performances performance moments that didn't work you'd be hard-pressed to get these many this many talented people in a room and like have a bad performance uh, at least i would yeah. hope but maybe oh my god luke wilson like heart eyes <laughs> it's so funny good. you mentioned that because never has anyone reminded me of your partner as much as this particular character what about luke wilson and skeleton twins no this one even more so <laughs> i think it's yeah the hair. you're right and it's like, I see a lot in Luke Wilson and Meredith's relationship because I'm not incredibly high strung, but compared to my partner, I am high strung. So they're always like, hey, like smoking a joint, like, hey, chill out. Like, you having a bad day? <laughs> just, just, just lean back and relax. And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. This hurts. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> uh, without further ado, let's get into the movie. Okay. You don't have to be nervous. I'm not. They're gonna love you. There's nothing harder than joining a family. He intends to give that girl my mother's wedding ring. Especially one like the Stones. She's got this throat-clearing tick. It's like she's digging for clams. Ready? <clears throat> they have a funny way of making you feel at home. Hello. You have a lovely home. All the better to entertain you, my dear. They hate me. They hate they me. They just met you. What's so great about you guys? Nothing. It's just that we're all we've got. And you, you're the worst. I'm the worst. Oh, boy. 
All right. So in case you've forgotten, the family stone centers around uh, Meredith comes to the stone house to meet her soon-to-be fiancé's family, only to realize they are not what she expects and a little more unfriendly. Uh, So her sister, Julie, has to accompany her on this weekend and hilarity and romance and family (laughs) sadness ensues. Romance question mark? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would call it romance. Horniness ensues. Before we get into the plot, I want to make it very clear. This is a very charming film. I like it quite a bit. I will watch it every single year, but if I sit down and I really think about the events that happen over these couple of days, I start to question what the fuck is wrong with these people. (laughs) I start to question why I like this movie. Like, I watched this last night with my friend's boyfriend who had never seen the film before and, in fact, confided to me that they have not seen a rom-com since high school, which was, like, over 10 years ago. And I said, how have you avoided it? <laughs> and I said, welcome to the Family Stone, the most unhinged of all the family dramedies of this time of year. So while we were, we were watching it, he was like, wait, are they related? Okay, are they related? And I was like, look, just pretend everyone's <laughs> related and you're going to enjoy this a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many fucking kids and none of the kids especially look like each other. So it makes it hard to determine like who the fuck yeah. is not related to who. Is it okay that they're hitting on this person? <laughs> It's not. No, it's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) At least they're not related. So, yeah. So, first we meet uh, Meredith, who's played by Sarah Jessica Parker, and Everett, who's played by Dermot Mulroney. We meet them in New York, and we learn that Meredith is high-strung, if that's the word we want to (laughs) use. To say the least. Yes. Sarah Jessica Parker cannot be overlooked in this role. So she was cast amid the final seasons of Sex and the City, and she has said that she decidedly chose this role because it was so drastically different from Carrie Bradshaw. Yes. And you can definitely see that. Carrie Bradshaw, if you've ever seen Sex and the City, is kind of like a laissez-faire, I'm just going to smoke cigarettes and buy Manolo Blahniks and... um, Kind of is is more to the wind than Meredith is like a type A uh, neurotic workaholic. She's got her hair pinned back in a so way that tight. makes my face hurt when yes. I watch this movie. Phenomenal casting. She is as funny as she can possibly be in this role. She skirts that line of unlikable, likable, unlikable, hater, love to hater so well. But And she really commits every line that she can make a joke. She goes there. Like, she makes her character laughable and ridiculous. She's so funny, even though she's supposed to be so tightly wound, as you're saying. And um, Everett is the eldest son of the Stone family, and they're going home to, I think, New England to meet the rest of them. I guess Vermont, because they're smoking weed pretty openly. That was my guess. I I think it says New England. Vermont, New England? (laughs) Probably not. I actually don't fucking know where Vermont is. (laughs) The top. It's and anyway. <laughs> uh, anyways, they get to the stone home a couple of days before Christmas, and we meet Thad, who is deaf, and his boyfriend Patrick, who is hearing. Uh, we meet Sybil, who is dressed amazingly. I'm starting to wonder, like, if if there's even anyone who dresses Diane Keaton in films. Like, does she just dress herself? I would just let her dress herself, definitely. And also the like gray streak in her hair in the front, like her bangs are gray stunning. It's everything. It's like, everything. The pressure I would feel having to dress Diane Keaton. I would just be like white, white button down. 
Let's How about do, a white button down? Let's do a button down with a little tie. Yeah, a little tie. <laughs> suspenders. How's that sound, Diane? She'd be like, sounds great. <laughs> uh, we also meet Amy, who's played by Rachel McAdams, like I mentioned. She, like, exits her car with this, like, NPR tote bag. Yeah. Her car just screams dyke. She even has, like, a like a laundry basket that just seems gay. Like, everything about this character is gay to me. And also her bedroom's, like, the top loft room, like, up in the closet where no one has to think about her so much and she can like retreat and listen to Tegan and Sarah. That's where they put the gays. That's exactly the room I had growing up. Really? Like the little loft third bedroom? I had what was considered an office. So it wasn't <laughs> right? even a full bedroom. No closet. Underneath no access. the stairs. Exactly. Harry Potter. Nice to meet you. Harry Potter style. So Meredith and Everett haven't arrived yet. And Amy tells the family that she met Meredith and she hates her. <laughs> She right says, I was in New York in November. She's a total phony. She's completely uptight. She's not wrong. They they clock. Before Meredith even says anything uh, problematic, they clock her right away. Yeah. I This family is so, I don't want to say hippy dippy or, or liberal because I don't think either of those words like really sum up how open this family is. But they definitely hate Meredith the moment she enters. Like she walks in. And she, like, shakes their hands instead of hugging them. And they're all really put off immediately, which I get that Meredith is in everyone's cup of tea. But they're being a bit of assholes, right? Absolutely. But, I mean, you do kind of find out towards the end of the film that it's not really about Meredith. Like, yeah, she's not their favorite, but there's all this other turmoil happening under the surface that's, like, making them project all this negativity onto her. That being... Diane Keaton's breast cancer is like no longer in remission. And also there's probably an element of like Everett being the oldest and therefore like the the star child and like no one being good enough for him, blah, 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 which when Amy says she's or when Patrick alludes to Amy having a problem with him back when he and Thad just started dating, like in my mind, I'm like, oh, it just wasn't someone good enough for Thad. So they're just kind of like always like, oh, well, she has to be perfect. And they're projecting all this shit onto her. But at the end of the day, Meredith is kind of a bad person I, and really annoying. I'm of the mind, having seen this movie a couple of times preparing for this podcast, I think that the way the family acts is really tacky, yeah, really immature. And although Meredith isn't a great person, they have nothing to go off of in this moment to yeah. be acting so like defensive and, or I should say, offensively rude to her. They don't try to welcome her. No, and you don't understand what people's comfort levels are when you meet them for the first time. You can't expect someone to come into your house and just take their bra off and have, you know, sleep in the room with their boyfriend and be exactly like you. But with Julie, her sister, they immediately like her and don't give her any hassle. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because they can tell she's a little more open-minded and she's less annoying. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's because she's not dating any of the sons or daughters of the family. That's very interesting that you bring that up. And I'll try to figure out like why that happens later when we when Julie enters, because that opens up a whole can of worms of like sure weird enough. fuck shit. Um, but they meet Meredith and they're all really bitchy to her for some fucking reason. And after this, Meredith gets really cringe and is, like, shouting at Thad because she knows that he's deaf. And Thad's like, why is she shouting at me? It's so embarrassing to watch her in some of these scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Meredith says she doesn't want to sleep in the same room as Everett, which it's like I can kind of get. I mean, that's just this seems more like she was raised a certain way. Yeah. 
rather than she's trying to be like a bitch. And everyone gives her a hard time about that as well. And then that means she has to take Amy's room and Amy has to sleep on the couch and Amy's are already pretty prickly. So that just makes things worse. And then we meet Ben, who's played by Luke Wilson. He was actually, the, the role was offered to Johnny Knoxville before him. That would have been a mistake. <laughs> so it was definitely <laughs> typed um, for this kind of like, hey, man, whatever. I'm just, you're shoveling snow and I'm the snow. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we get this meet cute where Meredith is walking down the stairs. Ben is at the bottom of the stairs and they see each other for a moment. And that happens also when fucking, what's his name? Everett, Everett. sees Julie. Yeah, on the bus. On the bus. So that was intentional, which I understand now. Yeah. Um. Very romantic. I mean, fine, but like, why would you look at your brother's girlfriend like that? I get it's a rom com, but like, have some self respect. Yeah. That's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. But, and I guess our justification is that like his brother is doing the exact same thing with her sister. So that is it not cancels okay. out. No, that's, that's the logic of this movie is that it cancels out. And I'm like, no, it's just like, Y'all are both <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> exactly. And we all agree that it's okay at the end somehow. No, you're so right. And <laughs> and we will definitely talk about that when that like comes into play in a couple of scenes. But like I said, Meredith is not a lovable character. But why are they so fucking mean to her? Susanna's kid, Elizabeth, ruins Meredith's shoes, just like cracks them open for fun on the table. And Meredith sees her shoes and, like, grabs them and is like, what the fuck? And These are Milano Bolognics. Yeah. And Suzanne's like, oh, I think we have glue. And she's like, it's fine. Say sorry. Yeah. Your kid just destroyed something that – I don't understand. If my dog if – if my dog even destroyed something of somebody else's, I would be apologizing profusely. I mean, it kind of sounds like they had already made up their minds about Meredith before they even met her because of how Amy's talking about her because Amy's the only one that has met Meredith in their dinner in New York. But also even Susanna's like, yeah, I talked to her on the phone. She sounded curt. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they have already made up their mind about her. Plus like the compounding of all these emotional issues they're having that they're trying not to address. They're very clicky and I understand yeah. that, but I think this is just really tacky. Yeah. Um. So Sybil thinks that Everett has come to ask for her mother's wedding ring to propose to Meredith. And she's not super stoked about that. I don't know if you could tell, but everyone fucking hates Meredith. She's like, tough shit, buddy. I'm not giving you that fancy ring. I, I love that. She doesn't just say no. She says <laughs> tough shit. It reminds me of the Babadook where he's like, yes. I'm hungry. She's like, you're hungry? Eat shit. Yeah, exactly. Just saying it like it is. Sorry, child. Uh, so later they play a game of charades and Amy chooses Meredith's movie that she has to act out. And the movie that's selected is The Bride Wore Black. And on the fourth word, she's gesturing and she's she lets her arms kind of go as she's thinking about what what to gesture. And it looks as though her finger is pointing at Patrick. And, and I, I guess I didn't say this earlier, but Patrick is a black man. And so Amy says, I can't believe you're pointing at him. And everyone's like, they don't understand. They don't know what the movie is. Yeah. And so Meredith just like leaves. And then they realize like the movie's title, the bride wore black. Yeah. And Patrick's like, thanks, Amy. I think everyone knew that Meredith wasn't intentionally doing that. But the fact that Amy's trying to fuck with her in this way is just really fucking mean. And it also brings 
Patrick down and this like like don't bring him into your anger. He's just here trying to deal with y'all's family bullshit too. Yeah. And it wasn't definitely not a fair moment on Amy. She's like very malicious towards Meredith. I mean, the thing with Meredith is that she does say and do some really actually awful shit. But also in these moments, they're not giving her the benefit of the doubt. So she's so afraid of messing up that when she does mess up, it feels triple bad. Yeah. They and that have, happens a lot later in the film. Yeah. They are so critical of her when she does baseline yeah. that she can't afford to make a mistake. So this, especially with like Thad and Patrick, she's hypersensitive of of Thad because she keeps saying like, I don't know the language or I don't really know how to talk to you. Not in a way that I think is insensitive, but in a, a way that I think is like unintentionally ignorant. Yeah. Very ignorant and like very uncomfortable with her ignorance. And instead of just like kind of taking a breath and like thinking about it or like seeing how everyone else treats him, she just kind of flaunts her ignorance a little bit mm -hmm. and like digs herself into these holes. It's really uncomfortable. As Meredith storms out after charades, she tells Everett, you're starting to look at me like they do. And she thinks that he's beginning to have doubts about their relationship, which she would be right about. Yeah. Meredith tells Everett, I wouldn't want you if you got caught up in something and couldn't find a break. Huh. Basically meaning like, I don't want to have this relationship if we were just a good thing but you just don't know how to break up with me because nothing bad has happened. Right. I see what you're saying. Which she's really right about that. Which, uh, I mean, people get in those relationships all the time. But I guess as you get older, those relationships can turn into engagements that can turn into marriages that can turn into the rest of your life. Well, that's why you always meet the family at Christmas before you start <laughs> plopping rings on fingers. It's like one of the big milestones is like... Maybe at a base level, if my family is important to me, you have to get along with them in order for this to work. No, that's that's super valid. If I was Meredith, I would run the other way, honestly. No, she she like turns to the side and says, this is good for me. I'll just stay <laughs> in the family just with the less rich one. All right, you guys, it is Christmas Eve. So Meredith, Sybil, and Amy are all in the kitchen. I've never seen a cinematic portrayal of myself in the morning like I see reflected in Amy. <laughs> <laughs> like Meredith and Sybil are like, hey, good morning. Amy walks in and says, is there coffee? <laughs> and she's wearing like a stinky band t-shirt. Okay. She's wearing a Dinosaur Jr. t-shirt. Dinosaur Jr. has come up in a lot of the subtextually queer coded characters we've talked about in this podcast, like most recently being the character, the main character in Stick It mm. has Dinosaur Jr. posters all over her wall. Mm -hmm. So, okay. <laughs> We're I'm, just drawing lines here. I'm not trying to connect these universes, but I'm not not trying to do that. <laughs> and then we learn about Brad, who popped Amy's cherry. Oh, Brad. And when Sybil talks about Brad, Amy looks actually in pain, like it, torturous pain. It's her one weakness. She's so confident about everything. And then when this relationship gets mentioned, she's so fully uncomfortable. And she almost looks at her mom and looks at Meredith like, don't talk about this in front of her. Yeah, don't give her ammunition. Mm -hmm. But I read it as like, gay. Oh, that too. Really, this is going to be the guy? Fucking love But there's guy. nothing wrong with Brad. Uh, Mark Brandanowitz? Yeah, Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> my friend that I watch this with, the non-rom-com watcher... 
This was the most excited he got. To see Mark Brandanowitz? Yes, he named him by name, and I was like, wow, that's the only actor in this film I cannot name. If you're not familiar with Mark Brandanowitz, (laughs) as he's referenced in his final episode of Parks and Recreation, he plays a city planner in that show. So fucking boring. (laughs) I don't personally care for this actor at all. Any hoozles, that's Brad. And uh, Sybil leaves the kitchen, and we get the iconic scene where Meredith apologizes to Amy because Amy had to sleep on the couch and continues to say, I'd wish you'd give me a chance, whatever it is that I did wrong. But you know, I don't care whether you like me or not. (laughs) And Amy responds, Aw, of course you do. (laughs) Get her, bitch. Evil. Pure evil. Isn't it kind of hot? So hot. (laughs) I'm like, yes, she has got your ass whipped. At this point in the movie, I promptly went to fanfiction.net, typed in the family stone, and expected to see about 20,000 entries about Meredith and Amy, and there was not a one. Hey, look, there's a gap in the market, Sam. Hop on it. The time is now. Necessity is the what to invention? Something, something capitalism. To ambition? (laughs) Uh, You're right. I need to get cracking on that. Yes. Um. I want it on my desk by New Year's Eve. Thank you. Meredith has been so adequately bullied that she's decided to stay at the inn, and she's called her sister Julie to join her. So as Meredith is about to take off to the inn, Ben gives her a cup of coffee and kind of like flexes his penis at her. Yeah, he's doing a like masculine posturing. Yeah. (laughs) And he follows it with, I had a dream about you last night. I was the snow. (laughs) You were shoveling me, and I was the snow. I laughed so fucking hard at that. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> oh, God. Um, anyways, so Meredith takes off to the inn, and as she's doing this, Everett and Thad are at the jewelers picking out an engagement ring, and Thad tells Everett not to marry Meredith. Um, why are they so fucking mean to Everett? I mean, that's right, though. He, like, knows. Yes, but they have no respect for anyone or boundaries like i understand if initially you don't like her when they're dating but if he's saying i'm proposing to her leave her the fuck leave them alone oh baby girl i wish family worked like that i don't know how your family operates but unless they are toxic or abusive to each other yeah if he's saying i want to marry her and he's gonna buy a brand new ring because he can't get the tough shit ring. <laughs> then just leave him alone. But no, everyone's got to chime in. They have their own opinions. Well, I mean, in this case, like they're one on one. It feels a little more appropriate than just like calling her out. Like what Amy's doing in front of the whole family is really fucked up. But Thad, in this moment with his brother, like is very heartfelt. Like, please don't do it. I feel like this isn't right for you. And they don't really get into why. I would love for someone to like say why to Everett. I guess Diane Keaton's character comes the closest, but I think Thad has the most reason to ask this of Everett than anyone because he's really the one that's been the most disrespected by her. Or she's the only one that's been actually disrespected by Meredith. She's yelling at him, not even attempting to treat him like a human being. You know, it gets worse, but she's definitely, like, her ignorance towards him is more stark than with anyone else. I I think it's harsh to jump on Meredith and say that she's, like, a bad, ignorant character. I think, like, in some cases, she doesn't know as much as she should. But I don't think that that's why Thad is saying this. Like, don't marry her because she shouts at me. 
Why else would he be saying it? I think everyone is telling him the same thing. I, I There hasn't been a scene between them except for like a cringy moment where she's like raising her voice. But I don't I don't necessarily think he's saying don't marry her because she's like a bigoted monster. That's what I read because it was like the only tender or like personal moment where someone's like, don't marry her. You know, everyone else is like, she's awful. She's great. She's terrible. I'm going to make fun of her. But he's like looking him in the eyes and like, like, please don't do this. Before, like, what preceded this, I skipped a scene, was when Everett gives them an ultimatum. They all agree when he leaves that Everett's not in love with her. Right. So that precedes this scene just a little bit. So I don't think that yeah. that is saying, you know, she's a bigoted monster. Please don't marry her. I think it's just like, he's like, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Put down the ring. Yeah. Step away from the ring. But which is still, I feel like, a little too out of line. I don't, I don't know. This family is, like, way too close for me. Yeah. True. And this is followed by, like, a sequence where all the kids are understanding that Diane Keaton's breast cancer is coming out of remission and is yeah. getting worse. Uh, Ooh, heavy blow. I love that they let us find out when the kids find out. Yeah. And they don't use, like, so the cancer came back, did it? It's like they talk about it in the way you would talk about something this serious. Yeah. It's really poignant, actually, because sometimes, like, pulling the cancer card on a movie is like, okay, you just want to, like, turn the drama up and bring the crying out. But in this film, like, the loss and the connection and also it shows why all of these arguments and everything going on with Meredith is so intense is because this is looming over them. I really do think that that is what is cranking up all of the conflict that's happening between everyone, particularly with Meredith. No, you're so right. Like when I saw this film for the first time, which was like rather recently, it the first like 20 minute stretch, I was like, why is everyone fucking crazy? Yeah. And then this happened and I was like, oh, everyone is bargaining with this like idea of maybe this is the last Christmas with mom. Exactly. And all the expectations of everyone in relation to her and this Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's and when no one wants Diane Keaton to die. <laughs> no, oh my god! No, gosh, this movie makes me fucking cry. I, it sounds like I'm mad at these people, or I don't like this movie. I love them all. I honestly wish, like my, like I was part of this family as well. I want to be a stone. Yeah, like in another <laughs> world, if I was a stone, I'd be super chill with that. Yeah. Okay, let's make things weirder, shall we? Okay. Uh, Julie's bus arrives. That is Meredith's sister. And Everett picks her up at the bus station. And as she's getting off the bus, they share that same romantic look I was talking mm-hmm. about where she's at the top of the stairs and he's at the bottom of the stairs. Um, and then it's followed by the classic rom-com meet cute where she like falls and he like picks her up. Yeah. And no, oh, no, she scrapes her knee. <laughs> okay, Claire Danes is stunning though. I don't know. Uh, Claire Danes doesn't do it for me. Dermot Mulroney never's done it for me. I hate that man. But uh, so I was just never meant to like whatever happens between him and Julie. But come on now. Have some decorum. You you bought an engagement ring for Meredith. That day. You're macking on her sister the like, moment you see her before she even opens her mouth? Ogling her, dude. Fuck that. Fuck that. Yeah, he not right in the head. At least Ben has some tact. He gives it some space. Barely. He's also ogling her scenes before this. True. True. I but it feels barely. a little more like they I do think that those two characters in this funny way, like have chemistry and balance each other out. Whereas the Claire and Everett character, I'm like, you're just like lusting after these beautiful women, like one after another. Yeah, this is the one that seemed the most contrived. Yes, exactly the word I would use. So 
They get back to the house with Julie. Everyone's doting on her hand and foot. Like Lizzie was saying, for some reason, they hate Meredith. They love Julie. Well, not for some reason. She's just not dating any of the Precious Stone children. True. She gets a pass. She's not dating anyone, even though Sybil quickly tries to set her up with Ben. Mm -hmm. But I think she has this like, oh, hey, how's it going thing that like really matches their energy. And she's not insecure. Like I think like wolves, they can smell the insecurity on Meredith. But Claire Danes is like just here to be like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, she's very easygoing and comfortable in her skin. And she's also not, like, shouting at anyone and being weird. Like, they like her. We like her. They're like horses. They can sense the fear. (laughs) They can smell the fear on you. Uh, Yeah. So that's probably a huge factor because she's not trying to actively impress anyone. So everyone's in love with Julie, and we quickly move on to dinner. And this is where we get the scene I mentioned. The icon. If you're a gay person and you watch this film, chances are you know exactly what I'm talking about. But this is the dinner discussion on Christmas Eve where Meredith is talking to Thad and Patrick as they're looking to adopt a child. She asks them if they're concerned with nature versus nurture. Oh. Lizzie, I'm going to show you that scene now. No, it's too uncomfortable. Sorry. Well, do you boys believe in nature versus nurture? I mean, is that all a concern in terms of bringing a child into your house? I'm not sure I follow you. Why wouldn't you bring it to the house? <laughs> well, I, I just mean the gay thing. You know, I mean, there's no irrefutable evidence one way or the other. I mean, yes, they think they've isolated a gene, but what does that mean? They don't know what it's for or what it does. Didn't they determine it's for window treatments? There you go. <laughs> One of the contributing factors to being gay may very well be the environment. Well, I mean, look at my drapes, right? Aren't they horrible? There's absolutely no way it was this environment. Well, that and Mom. Tried to make us all gay. Hey, what are you talking about? I didn't try, Everett. No, true, I did hope. I I did, I did desperately hope that you would all be gay. Oh, my boys, and then you'd never leave me. You didn't really, you didn't really hope for gay children, did you? Well, I'm, I don't think that anyone wishes for that. Meredith. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, please d- don't misunderstand me. It's, I, I don't, well, I, I mean, all I, all I mean to say is that just, I just don't think that any parent would hope for a child to be challenged like that. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear a word you said. Sorry, this isn't coming out right. I just, what I mean to say is life is hard enough as it is, and it just seems to me that you wouldn't want to make it any more difficult for your child. I mean, Patrick, Patrick, you must understand what I'm trying to say, right? What What did you say? Oh, well now, boss, I think we have been hit no, 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 I'm sorry, I did not mean that. I just think any parent would want a normal child. Oh, God damn you, okay? Okay, Lizzie, can you, I'm sure our listeners heard a part of that scene, but could you describe it for them, please? Oh my God, I'm physically sick. Um. Okay, so the whole family is sitting around the dinner table. They've all eaten, wine is going around, they're just chatting, and the subject of Thad and Patrick's want to adopt a child comes up and for some reason Meredith takes this opportunity to ask them if they're concerned about the child being raised gay in their house and if they would ever wish that upon them. I mean, the dialogue all speaks for them itself. She's, it's so awkward. 
You mentioned while we were watching this, like they give her so many outs in the beginning. What precedes this conversation is Julie asks Patrick and Thad, would you have a preference of race for the child? And that's when Meredith says, Julie, like that's an inappropriate question. And they answer it at face value pretty, pretty easily. And I think that's what cues Meredith like, oh, maybe I can ask them a question, even though she phrases it really inappropriately. But like you're saying, they give her a lot of outs in the beginning. They answer her very jokingly, like, look at my curtains. Oh, how could they not be gay with these curtains? Yeah. And Sybil is like, oh, I did hope. I desperately hoped. And then Meredith says, like, you couldn't, nobody hopes for a gay child, which me and Lizzie are rolling our eyes because every day we say, like, what are we going to do if our child's straight? I would only want a child if I could guarantee (laughs) they would be gay. (laughs) I wouldn't be mad if they were straight. I would just kind of hope that they were gay, just secretly. I would desperately hope. (laughs) Um, So it's funny that she said that. But it isn't until Meredith really presses the subject that the room grows silent and you see for the first time that the members of the family are exchanging these glances with each other. Like, is she fucking serious? Like, is she actually asking this? And they don't have to say any, like, this is the one moment where they do try to kind of save her and I guess by default, like, save Thad and Patrick from this awkward conversation. Yes, it's the one time they don't, like, point out how ignorant she's being. Like, she does it fully for herself. And even Everett is not able to, like, come to her rescue. Because yeah. he is he's probably never heard her say any of this before. Like, they probably haven't known each other long enough to get into how she feels about gay people. And it's, like, really awkward because I don't even think, like, what she's trying to say is a statement anyone wants to hear about themselves or their loved ones that are gay. It's just really ignorant in a way that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I want to be very like tactful with how I describe this. What Meredith is saying is ignorant. It's embarrassing. I don't think it comes from a malicious place, nor do I think that she is homophobic. You have to remember that the writer and director of this film is a gay man who is likely most often in the perspective of Patrick and Thad and has wrote Meredith with this arc. And we understand she's not a bad character. So I don't think that they're trying to say she is a bigot who is casting this like, well, who would want a gay kid? I think she's genuinely saying in a way that she doesn't know how to verbalize, wouldn't you want your child to have less opposition and adversity growing up? I don't think the problem is, how don't you think it's gross to have a gay kid? It's like, no, wouldn't you not. want your kid to have an easier life? But seeing queerness as making your life harder is like, doesn't seem like the right way to think about it at all. And like framing it as like, wouldn't you want them to be normal? Like, yeah, that word. Like centering hetero as what is normal is really problematic. And if I was sitting at this table, whether I was that or not, I'd be like, whoa red fucking flag like even if she just hasn't thought about it that much and of course like she's not trying to be malicious but it takes her so long to recognize and in fact we never really have closure on this conversation later to like for her to realize like what I said wasn't right and this is why and like take the opportunity to learn why this conversation went so poorly and why everyone got so upset and why Thad's feelings were like super hurt. Like, cause in this moment he kind of shuts down and has to be kind of pulled out of it by his mom. Who's like, look, you are more normal and better than everyone here at this table. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, and for the director, the writer to like bring this nuanced conversation into a family film about the Christmas holidays is really refreshing. And it, it feels so real. Like I can imagine this is a conversation he's heard or had or can easily imagine. This is a conversation I've had with my family. When I yeah. came out, I, my parents were concerned about my safety. And I don't think that they understood the emotions that they were dealing with when I came out. Mm-hmm. But my father's, like, the first words he told me was, I need you to be careful. Like, I need you not to tell anyone. And I don't, I mean, that could have been from a lot of different things, privacy or, or I don't know what my parents were going through when I came out. But I think coming from their generation, it is a liability to, mm-hmm. to live as an out person. And I think, while I don't agree with the use of the word normal, don't you want your child to be normal? I have heard people like Meredith have this sort of perspective when they don't know any other gay people. Mm-hmm. It definitely feels like that. Yeah. She also doesn't know any deaf people and maybe not any black people either. Yeah. She mentions, she mentions, she like refers to Patrick and she says, you must know what I'm saying. Oof. And he says to Thad, well, boss, it sounds like we have been knocked twice. And which really reminds me of the first line of Paris is Burning, an incredible documentary that if you haven't seen, I urge you to see. But I would like to play that clip, just the first line that is spoken in that documentary. I, I remember my dad, he said, you have three strikes against you in this world. Like every black man has two, that they're just black and they're male. But you're black and you're a male and you're gay. You're going to have a hard fucking time. And he said, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to be stronger than you ever imagined. So this idea of being knocked twice is in reference to the fact that they're gay, Patrick is black, and Thad is deaf. I think that line is incredible. I think the signing and the like emphatic Mm -hmm. way that Brian White, who plays Patrick, signs that is really just seals the deal. Uh, Such a good scene. Such a good scene. Yeah, it definitely opens up a conversation that doesn't seem like your typical lifetime holiday movie <laughs> and really gets your thoughts going. And my only like wish for this film is that I would love to have seen an apology or a realization or a revisit of this topic with Meredith and the family and particularly Thad and Patrick later to maybe show that she considered it. But after this, she never apologizes. In fact, they only apologize to her for, like, treating her so poorly in this moment, even though I'm like, this is the one moment I feel like is justified to push back at Meredith and to be mad at Meredith. Everything else is kind of like, yeah, she's annoying. Yeah, she's kind of in her own world, sure. But this is, like, the one moment it's like, no, like, this is, don't say this shit in my house, around my family, in this safe space, you know? Exactly. Like Lizzie was saying, I've pointed out how bitchy and needlessly rude they've been to Meredith this whole (laughs) time. And this is the only time that actually seems warranted, as you're saying. Yeah. And they never bring it up again. It would be fantastic if we got some sort of moment where they're even like a knowing glance or like an arm squeeze or any of that. But they were too busy making the siblings make out with each other's Mm -hmm. partner. (laughs) I mean, it is a conventional (laughs) holiday movie of its core, but... Great scene. Really great scene. I do appreciate that, obviously, the director-writer, as a gay person, understands that, like, having gay people in holiday films can't function just as a fixture of storytelling. Queer people have an incredibly hard time going home for the holidays. 
it's insanely difficult to have these conversations over and over again with loved ones, mostly conservative loved ones that live in your ho- your hometown. So I'm glad that they included the scene and took it so seriously. Mm-hmm. After this, Meredith attempts to leave but crashes in a tree. <laughs> um, ben takes Meredith to a bar and Everett and Julie go out to look for them. At the bar, Meredith is getting drunk and she says, I love the gays, gay people. <laughs> Which is funny because Sarah Jessica Parker at this point in her career was like a total icon for the gays. Oh, yeah. Gay people. Gay people love her. God, could you imagine them sitting in a theater watching that that previous scene? Yeah. Um, ben tells Meredith maybe she should stop trying so hard. The chemistry is flowing. Uh, Juxtapose this scene with the most boring conversation I've ever heard between Everett and Julie. God. And they're like falling in love from like zero to 60 in the matter of seconds, having Mm -hmm. the world's most, seriously, the most dry and boring conversation I've ever heard in my entire life. I think this is where the writing starts to slip. Mm -hmm. I think this is where dermot moroni who plays everett is like okay i'm in love with her now you know and just like cranks it up yeah it really is a switch that gets flipped and i said this in my policeman episode but when two people are having a conversation about how much they love art in a film i'm like okay you're just like virtue signaling that these people have like elevated taste i get it and they're like connecting on this level yeah i'm just like blah 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 (laughs) okay fine they're together yeah all you have to say just show them (laughs) fucking honestly that would be easier honestly oh i meant to bring this up you know it's no shocker to me that the more gay the character in this film the more stable they are Mm. like thaddeus and patrick are over here like totally just like got their shit together they went grocery shopping they have their own car they got their own room at the end like they are set and all like the straighter and straighter these people get the more insane their decisions are i love that you mentioned that i wasn't going to bring this up but as this bar thing and the julie thing are happening you see patrick and thad walk home to the inn and there's no subtitles at this part but thad signs to patrick the sky looks beautiful and patrick signs to thad no you're beautiful (laughs) (laughs) they're just like literally living their best life like they've cleaned the kitchen they've put all the groceries away they set the timer for the turkey tomorrow they're walking back like they are insularly having like the most beautiful snow globe christmas experience (laughs) and everyone else is like pissed off and confused like which one of my siblings fucking (laughs) fucking girlfriends i'm gonna sleep with i just really appreciate that about this movie above almost all else Uh, it's so true to life dude <laughs> so yeah we wake up it's christmas morning merry Quimbus. merry Quimbus. everything normal <laughs> meredith wakes up in ben's bed and assumes they've slept together i think safe assumption <laughs> <laughs> so she slaps him and leaves uh civil eventually gives everett the ring saying i'm sick honey and you can't fix it not even by getting married Oh, a boy crying scene. A rarity, a gem. Everett just starts crying. I love seeing boys cry. Me too. So good. Oh, and Luke Wilson cried earlier in the film. Yeah. Another gem of a scene. Everyone cry now. Everyone cry now. (laughs) Me as a director. (laughs) Uh, Do it as if uh, you are crying. Uh, I know you're ordering ice cream, but try crying. (laughs) Uh, Ben takes the ring, shows Julie, asks her to try it on. Not a good look, bitch. Sybil is figuring out what the fuck is going on. 
uh, Meredith enters the kitchen in the clothes from last night. And I love these next few scenes because everyone's putting it together at their own pace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like people are stumbling in to get coffee and like falling straight into the tea flowing forward. Poor Brad. Mark Brandanowitz enters and Amy's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And he says, oh, Meredith invited me. And everyone's like, what? And he was like, Meredith. And Ben and I were at the bar last night. We got super fucked up. <laughs> what? Everyone's like, huh? And Meredith's like, time to open presents. Yeah. <laughs> and hands them all the same exact present, and they open it at the same time. And it's a lovely framed photograph of Sybil, who is pregnant at the time with Amy. Beautiful photograph. This is actually a real photograph of Diane Keaton, and they Ugh. just made like they um, edited it later to make it look like she was pregnant. Man, the tone shift of this movie is like really a roller coaster, but I'm on the ride at this point. This is a really emotionally poignant scene because it gives um, Diane Keaton that opportunity to have that moment with Amy, um, Rachel McAdams' character, where she's like, that's you and me, kid. And Amy starts crying and I'm crying. And Meredith is like, why are we crying? (laughs) Meredith has no idea that Sybil is unwell. Yeah. So it's like she accidentally did something good after accidentally doing a bunch of bad things. (laughs) And this is also where we see the shift of the Stones liking Meredith. So like the more that Meredith lets things hang out, the more that they can relate to her. So she's a complete mess at this point. She's just giving them the Christmas presents. But Everett is like pestering Meredith so hard. And Meredith has seen the ring on Julie's finger. And so she says, look, Everett, I'm not going to marry you. Awkward. And then she makes it worse. He says, I didn't ask you to marry me. (laughs) And she says, I slept with your brother. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ben makes it worse by saying, we didn't sleep together. And she says, does anyone love me? (laughs) (laughs) Like runs away. (laughs) This is when SJP is like, this is a comedy now. Yeah, sorry. Everyone... I think they start playing that song, and like everyone's just off to the races, like fighting, screaming, falling. Oh my god, no, no, it's all right, Let's just get this off and then I'm fine. I'm just as good as any of you. Of course you are. Better, probably. So Everett's chasing Ben because he thinks Ben has slept with Meredith. And then we get... Meredith saying, what's so great about you guys? And then Amy says, we're not that great. And then Meredith says, and you, you're the worst. And she falls in the egg. (laughs) It's like really great. We're just like zooming towards resolution in this really physical way. They're like five minutes left. Everybody grab a partner. Wrap it up. Yeah, do-si-do, my (laughs) darling. (laughs) Okay, so everyone knows that Everett and Meredith aren't in love. Everyone's happy now. Uh, Everett goes to town to find Julie. This is me live typing this because I don't remember this part. So it says, Everett goes to town to find Julie. Okay, what the fuck? He finds her at the bus station. He grabs her and asks her to stay. She leaves. Thank God. Oh, wait. No, she doesn't. She gets (laughs) off? Question mark, question mark. Oh, they make plans for New Year's and she leaves. Gross. Yep. (laughs) No, we're like, I'm over them too. I'm, I'm back to Meredith and Luke Wilson at this point. Glad you you brought me there. So Ben and Meredith share an intimate moment in Ben's room. Meredith has her hair down and is in a t-shirt. That's how we know. She's totally chill. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally chill. One year later. Sad face. Oh, 
Oh, and one thing I noticed that they did. Um, so at this point, Diane Keaton, the mother, has passed away, and I noticed in the kitchen and the living room, there's just like less items around on the counters and stuff. Like either she was the engine keeping this family running and the one like always filling the house at Christmas, or else that maybe the kids have like inherited some of the items in the house and there's just like less stuff around. But it's one thing I noticed in this watch. There's just like less art on the walls, less stuff in the kitchen. Um, and it, it is pretty sad because you know that the father lives there alone now. It's very bare. Yeah. It's super, yeah, it's, it's barren. And, and everyone's still grieving very much through this scene. It's really sad. They're all doing their best to be cheery. I mean, Thad and Patrick have a brand new baby, yeah. which is so cute. Esme and has a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Susanna <laughs> has a new kid. And they go to light the tree, and it's just really sad. We see everyone leave the, the Christmas tree, like the living room. They go to another room. And we see Amy alone, and she's, like, looking at this tree. And if you look for a second, she's wearing the ring. Oh, I didn't know. I just got chills. I didn't know that. She's wearing the ring. Oh, that's really sweet. And we see as the ornaments are being placed, the photo of Sybil and her. Yeah. And then we go to black. Yeah, it like pans slowly in. You see the Christmas tree like reflecting in the photo. It's really beautiful. It really is. For this movie being so crazy and weird, it's... It hits a lot of the beats right spot on. Okay, folks. That's where I cried. <clears throat> I love this movie. Wait. Oof. I watch this movie every year and enjoy myself. I fucking love this movie. Dude, my friend that was watching this with me, like, on the final shot of, like, you know, Susan Sarandon, blonde. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Diane Keaton, young and blonde in this picture. He turned to me at the end and goes, why is there a picture of pregnant Claire Danes on the wall? <laughs> I like turned to him like tears in my eyes like what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you have no idea who any of these people are. Do you? This is not for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so funny. Uh, okay, with the res- with a budget of eighteen million, this film earned ninety two point nine million at the box office and counting. And I paid money to see it. So what the <laughs> this fuck? This year. <laughs> Wait, what year did this come out? Two thousand and five. Oof. God, yeah, this has been in my ro- my rotation for a minute. <laughs> and it doesn't look a year older. Like It really doesn't. I feel like it's not it's very timeless. Dated. Yeah. yeah. With a mixed critical regard, the film stood the test of time in the heart of queer people and Christmas lovers everywhere. Of which I am both. Yes. The demographic is sat right here in this <laughs> closet. <laughs> okay, Lizzie, are you ready to squaw? Let's do it. Let's count up our Christmas cheer bucks. Tell them how the Christmas cheer bucks work. So the subtextual score is calculated based on how good the movie is and how gay the movie is on a score out of 10. We average those together and get a single subtextual score. Yes, we do. Just for Christmas. Okay, Lizzie. How good is this film? Uh, How good it is and how much I enjoy it do not have to be the same thing. Um, Exactly. I give this movie a 7. I'm going to give this movie a 6. Okay. Uh, How gay is it? It's pretty gay. Um, at least two, if not three to seven or eight gay characters in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say the dinner scene and Thaddeus and Patrick's arc throughout the whole film and their happiness sparks a lot of queer Christmas joy in my heart. I'm going to give it an eight. You're reading my freaking mind here. Hey. Is that what you give it? Yeah, that's what I give it. I give it an eight. So what's the subtextual score? 
This gives it an overall subtextual score of 7.3. Jingle bells, Batman smells. That Claire is... Dane's laid an egg. <laughs> that is pretty good. I mean, it's gay and it's good. Like, it's gay what, and it's good. What you want? Oh, man. I That was fun. Merry Christmas, by the way. Merry Christmas. Do you have any Christmas wishes before we head out tonight? Christmas wishes? Or Hanukkah wishes? Or Hanukkah wishes. That's right. Yeah, they overlap this year, I think. Oh, hey, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Like uh, towards the end of Hanukkah is Christmas. Let's this go. Year. Any wishes, anyone? Santa, I have a direct line. I want to. My wishes are boring. I like need a new blender. I'm <laughs> <laughs> straight up. I Lee? want a Vitamix. Lee, anything? I want a SM7B microphone. <laughs> Write that down, Sam. SM7B. Oh, no, no, it's too expensive. <laughs> like $10,000. We're taking donations for Lee's Hanukkah gift. I want a spin-off of the Family Stone where Amy <gasps> lets her freak flag fly. Freak flag fly. Well, Merry Christmas, you listeners. Merry Christmas, Sam. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Lee. Lizzie. Happy holidays. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to take a little break for the holidays, but we'll see y'all in 2023. Yes, baby. Feeling fresh, looking good. Well, feeling fresh. <laughs> <laughs> looking good is, is open. You to, don't even uh, see us, do you? <laughs> you have no clue. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.